It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This is the Budweiser Reds Hot Stove League, presented by the Holy Grail and United Dairy Farms. The Reds are on the radio. The Hot Stove League is brought to you by the Holy Grail Banks Tavern and Grill, KTM Food Group. Check out our new line of chef-crafted favorites available in stores now. JTM, Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine, Ohio Suicide Prevention Foundation, where there's help, there's hope, and by NORCOM. The Reds Hot Stove League is brought to you by... Stove League on the Reds Radio Network. Welcome into the Reds Hot Stove League. I am Tommy Thrall. He is Jim Day. How we doing, Jim? Fantastic. That's As always. Glad to hear that. Yeah. Makes me happy. Uh, we start off today's show. It is a very, very busy show. We will have Derek Johnson, Reds pitching coach and director of pitching, coming up a little bit later on. We'll also have Red Scouting Supervisor Jeff Brookins. He is the Scout of the Year uh, for the East Coast region. So uh, we'll be really excited to chat with him. And uh, also John Fay coming up very, very shortly. We'll talk with him about uh, the Hall of Fame voting. But uh, right off the top, give you an update from MLB.com slash update. Mark Feinsand is reporting uh, that both parties have made significant progress to create a path toward a deal. Both parties being the owners and the players union as far as the lockout is concerned. Certainly some encouraging news this week, Jim, after back-to-back days of meetings. Let's hope so. I mean, these are usually long and drawn out, and uh, let's hope it's the beginning of uh, nearing an end. But it'll probably be weeks, but we'll, we'll see. It's it, it's good to hear at least good news. Yeah, and, and the good news is that both sides have made some concessions. It sounds like there's true negotiating taking place mm-hmm. right now. Um, if you want to read the entire article from Mark Feinsand, again, you can find that. Just click on the latest news tab at MLB.com. Dot com slash update. Again, some very encouraging stuff coming out of uh, Major League Baseball and those negotiations this week. Right now, though, we want to welcome in former Reds beat writer from the Cincinnati Inquirer. He's a Hall of Fame voter. It's John Fay. John, thanks so much for taking some time to join us. How are you living these days? Um, I'm living large, you know. I'm, you know. <laughs> of course you I'm are. not doing much, we, but, uh, but I still get... I still get to vote, so. Hey, that's big. We wouldn't expect you to do anything other than live large, though. Could promise you that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, let's start off right off the right off the bat here. I mean, this was a very tricky uh, election process. It sounds like, uh, especially when you see the the reaction to the actual Hall of Fame uh, 
selections and, and who got voted in. Uh, obviously, the, the big names, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, that didn't, again, in their last year, did not make it. Uh, Scott Rowland didn't make it, but it sounds like he's uh, tracking in the right direction. We'll get to that in a little bit. David Ortiz did make it. Uh, what's your stance? How do you view the PED allegations with regards to voting? It seems like everybody's kind of got a different viewpoint on this. Well, I, I vote. For a while, I didn't vote for Bonds and Clemens, and then I decided that if there's going to be a Hall of Fame, you need two of the best players all time in there. You know, and they never tested positive for for a test by MLB. I mean, everyone suspects them. I read the the Game of Shadows or whatever the Bonds book was, and I, I believe he did, and I, I believe Clemens did. But I, I just don't think – I think the, the, the Hall of Fame – measures history and you just can't ignore these these guys bonds are arguably the greatest hitter of all time clemens one of the best pitchers of all time it, it's hard to ignore him but at the same time you know i didn't vote for alex rodriguez because he did fail tests uh, so it, it's a sticky issue it 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 took a lot of the fun out of hall of fame voting once it became all these guys from the steroid era um, got on the ballot and you know i think next year when when they're not on it obviously um clemens and bonds and, and kurt Schilling it was their 10th year so they're off the ballot um i think it'll open it up for some guys and i i, I would not be surprised at all if roland gets in um next year where are you on let's say somewhere down the line uh those guys do make it in with the veterans committee or whatever uh you are you an asterisk guy on their plaque the uh, the, those guys from that era that are suspected or tested positive, I, I think it should be mentioned on on their on on their plaque. I, I think a, a lot of people have, have uh, proposed that, and you can't ignore it. it. It's just like if Pete Rose goes in, you, you can't just say he's the all-time hit leader and go through his all his accomplishments and not mention that he was suspended for um, betting on baseball. So I, th- I think it's something you, you have to mention. I, I think the Hall of Fame, obviously celebrates the greatest players but it also chronicles the history of the game and there were some obviously bad things that happened in baseball going back to i really don't think the veterans committee will put them in for a long time until a different set of veterans get on the veterans committee i just think right now i think they'll get uh, a smaller percentage of the vote from the veterans committee than they did from the writers so but yeah I, I think you have to mention it you have to chronicle that part of history and and the thing about it is bud Selig, who was the commissioner during that whole era is in the hall of fame so and and managers who manage guys that were obviously steroid guys are in the hall of fame so it, it's it, it's just a, an issue you just can't ignore in, in chronicle baseball history fairly yeah, John. I think that's the, that seems to be a, a common way to think about it, and 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 not that I have a vote, but I grapple with it and wonder: Do they deserve to be in the Hall of Fame or not? And I think at the end of the day, the point that you make seems to stand out the strongest, and that is, it is a museum that documents the history of the game, and these are these are some of the most prominent players of of their era that seem to be a very tainted era, but at the same time. There was nobody there really holding them accountable, and I heard one of the writers talking uh, yesterday on MLB Network about that very thing. He goes, the owners didn't, the coaching staffs, the managers didn't, uh, front offices didn't, and the league didn't. And one of the writers said, and the writers didn't as well. I mean, is that something that you kind of are in line with as well? Yeah, I I, I agree. I think it it, it was written about somewhat, but it it didn't get the coverage. 
baseball really celebrated the, the home run uh, battle between McGuire and Sosa, and I, I think both of those guys were steroid guys. Uh, and, and baseball needed it. I think it really helped after the the last work stoppage. It really helped get the the baseball back on the minds of fans. So yeah, I, I think baseball turned a blind eye to it, and and in in all cases from management to to writers, to the players themselves, because everyone had to know that these guys were doing it. So it's just it's, it's just a dark period, and I think the faster the game can move away from it, the better. Well, to be fair, David Ortiz has had his allegations as well. Now, he's the only one that goes in. Was he on your ballot? He was not. And, you know, and, and I, he, he failed a test, um, and it was leaked. So it's it kind of controversial, and... Um, Rob Manford gave him a little bit of a pass, but I, I, he said he never knowingly used steroids, and everyone who used steroids says the same thing. So it, it, it's very hard to buy that. Um, and I, 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 I probably would have voted for him next year, um, as I did with Bonds and Clemens, where you, you don't vote for him at first, but then you kind of soften on him. It's just a, there was one year where I just didn't vote. I, I did. I didn't turn in a blank ballot, but it was. It just. It's. It's really. Like I said, it took a lot of the fun out of the the whole thing with with the steroids. And you know, the other part of it is there's guys in that use steroids. I, I I'm not going to name names, but everyone suspects some guys that are in the ball of fame use steroids. So it's again, it's it, it, it's a shame that it, it it should be such a celebration of baseball that that becomes the topic. And I think, I think we'll move away from it a little bit next year when bonds and Clemens aren't on the ballot. Uh, one guy that uh, we hope will be celebrated in the relatively near future, Scott Rowland. It seems like he's tracking in the right direction. Did, is he a guy that you vote for? Yeah, I voted for him every year. Um, he he went from fifty two point nine to sixty three point two, so I, I I think there's a good chance he'll get in. Um, eight time Gold Glover hit two eighty one three sixty four on base four ninety uh, um, slugging, you know a seventy point one WAR. For comparison's sake, Tony Perez's WAR is is fifty four. Um, so I I think he's he's in on merits, and he's he's a guy I covered. Um, if if I hadn't covered him, I I probably would have voted for him on the merits of his numbers anyway. But when you cover a guy, he was a consummate baseball player. He's a good base runner, a tremendous fielder, obviously with eight gold gloves, a great leader, played the game the right way, brought the most out of, out of his uh, teammates. Um, I, I think the the one run of success the Reds had recently when in a, uh, 10 through 13, he was instrumental in that, even though he wasn't on the, the team towards the end of it. But I think by bringing him over in 09, he taught guys like uh, Joey Votto and Jay Bruce what you needed to do to be a, a championship caliber player. And he was just a, and he, he's a very likable guy. And I, I think that plays a little bit into it, which I, I don't think it should as much. I think Bonds and Clemens, if they were more likable, they might be in. Um, but, you know, that, that, it's human nature that uh, the guys that are are good with the writers are going to uh, curry some favor. Yeah, you talk about likability. Obviously, a Hall of Fame caliber player in Roland, but uh, being around him, he was a Hall of Fame guy to talk baseball with, was he not? Uh, oh, he was funny guy, very dry sense of humor. And yeah. uh, is he? Is he always dropped on you when you say, yeah. "Can I ask you two questions?" 
Jim, you already asked me one. Yeah, better better make the other one good. <laughs> yeah, he was, uh, and I I think he 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 also a lot of times because he was a leader of the team. I have to go to him on a controversial thing, and he would say, "Give me a minute," and he would collect his thoughts and come up with an answer, and then off the record, he'd tell you what he really thought. Sometimes, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I just I, I just enjoyed being around him, a, a really funny guy, and I, I really do think he was instrumental in, in turning that team around after all those losing seasons. Yeah. Do you feel like he was kind of the end, like his type of personality was kind of the end of that era or toward the end? Have you noticed a big change in players from, from guys like him to, to guys now? I I think there's always players like him, and there's there's always a a real cross-section of players. I think the one thing to be a a leader, there's other guys that were good leaders, but they weren't as good a player. I think when you have the combination, when you're a really good player and you have that leadership quality, he wasn't a rah-rah guy or anything like that, but I think there was a certain uh, amount of fear of him, you know, because of of what he had done, and he's kind of an intimidating presence. Um, but yeah, I, I think teams need guys like him, and I, I think when when Roland retired, Joey Votto said, you know, I, I got everything I needed from Scott Roland. It was very grateful. I think he he just taught guys how to work and what you had to do and um, to prepare yourself because it, he would he would always reference the big one sixty two. It's it's that's that's baseball is such a grind, and you you've got to figure out how to get yourself through it. And, and he was he was very good at that. Well, John, certainly appreciate the time as always, and uh, thanks for sharing some of your selections on your Hall of Fame ballot with us as well. And uh, I'm sure we will be chatting with you again, hopefully in the not-too-distant future. Well, hopefully there'll be some baseball, and I'll, I'll come down to the stadium occasionally. Uh, I, I, I heard your little the intro, and I, I'm glad there's some fall. And it, it does seem like things are picking up, uh, which I think because <laughs> – you know, on another subject, if if they miss one regular season game, it's just going to be a disaster. I think fans will not tolerate it. So that's just my opinion. But I, I really think both sides got to say, hey, we cannot miss games. We got the players are making a lot of money. The owners are making a lot of money. Let's work this thing out and, and not miss any baseball. Yeah, it sounds You're like here. it sounds like we are headed in the right direction. John, thanks for the time. And uh, yeah, we'll All see right, you at the thanks, park guys. soon. All right. That is okay. Take care. John Fay. Former Reds beat writer from the Cincinnati Miss Inquirer. That dude. Love, oh. love me some John Fay. He is tremendous. Absolutely tremendous human being. Jeff Brookins, Red Scouting Supervisor, will join us as the Reds Hot Stove League continues next on the Reds Radio Network. Welcome back into the Reds Hot Stove League with Jim Day. I am Tommy Thraw. The Reds are offering Valentine's Day gift ideas for fans of all ages, including ticket packages for post-game concerts and discounts on the Reds Heads and Reds Rookies membership. Check out the deals now at Reds.com slash Valentine's. Rolling on now with Red Scouting Supervisor Jeff Brookins. Jeff, thanks so much for the time. Uh, appreciate you being on with us. And congratulations, you were uh, this weekend named the 2021 East Coast Scout of the Year. Very well deserved, and uh, that, that's got to be quite an honor. Yeah, it is. Uh, well, thank you, number one, for having me on, and I certainly appreciate the congrats. Uh, it is quite an honor. I'm still, I'm still stunned and speechless at times because... Uh, just being nominated number one was was humbling, and then, as as you well know, the the amount of people that's nominated and 
uh, GMs, current GMs, ex-GMs, pro scouts. I mean, it, it's just uh, a phenomenal group of uh, excellent evaluators. And for me to be uh, honored with that, uh, again, I, you know, I'm just, I'm just humble. I, I just, uh, it, it's, it's really nice and it's, and it's been real good, but, uh, you know, to be in, in considered with those guys, it, it's, it's just quite an honor. Well, it's well-deserved and you've been at this for a, a while, Jeff. Uh, you took, I hear an unusual path, uh, to get into scouting. How'd you get into it and how has it evolved over the years as baseball has changed? Well, I, I I did play. I played in college, but obviously wasn't good enough uh, to play professionally. And then I umpired uh, Division One, and just got to know a lot of scouts through my playing days and umpiring. And back in the day when I started, there were uh, a, a fair amount of part-time guys that were not associates, but part-time guys that would go out and and get paid expenses and and a, you know a small salary, but it allowed you to learn the game uh, basically hands-on. And uh, from that time till today, back then you had to stop at a phone booth just to see if they were still going to play an hour down the road. Phone booth? What's now, that? You know, you, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, that, that's what you did. Yeah. You, you stopped at the phone booth or, or and you can just turn around in your car and go a different direction. Back then you really couldn't do that. Yeah. And you were at the mercy of the school, maybe contacting you or you contacting them uh, via a, uh, a phone book. And it was quite the, quite, quite the change. I mean, now you have the GPS. I'm not sure people today could go out and have the Atlas map beside you with handwritten notes telling you where to go. Oh, I grew up with that bad boy. <laughs> How about that? Yeah. And but now you just listen. You just say, you know, uh, in 200 feet, you turn right and then, you know, turn left. But it's, beautiful. It, it's quite a change uh, in that regard as well as just scouting itself. Although I will say this, it still takes players with tools and ability to play in the big leagues. Yeah, there's no doubt. That will remain unchanged. Uh, one of the guys that's a more recent pick, he was a first-rounder for the Reds a couple of years ago, 2020, Austin Hendrick. I know that's a guy that, that you really like. What stood out to you about him? Uh, he, had, he had a really... Um, he, what, what he did was he, he was very disciplined at the plate. Uh, sometimes maybe a little bit too disciplined, but but he really had a, a an eye for the strike zone, a knowledge of the strike zone, and when he connects, I mean he's got absolute big raw power and bat speed as well. And what people real uh, don't realize, and Devin Mirzaraka, uh, we we speak uh, often, don't realize is from the Northeast, you, you don't play a lot of games, you don't get the abs that the Southern kids get. It takes a little longer for guys in the in the cold weather states, even the Midwest, to catch up to the guys in, in say, Virginia South or Texas or wherever. Uh, having said all that, even with Austin, he lost a full year because of uh, the, the COVID. So his talent, his talent has yet to be tapped into. And he is, uh, defensively, he's going to be a solid defender. He's got instincts on the bases, and he's got big power. And once he connects and, and gets that confidence down and gets the ABs under his belt in the minor leagues, he's going to be something special. 
Well, Jeff, certainly appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Uh, appreciate you coming on with us. And, um, you know, uh, love what you do. And, again, congratulations. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. You guys take care and go red. Absolutely. Yes, that is Red Scouting Supervisor Jeff Brookins. Just this weekend was named the East Coast Scout of the Year by Major League Baseball. We'll continue with Reds pitching coach Derek Johnson as the Reds. Hot Stove League continues next. Welcome into the second half of the Reds Hot Stove League. Presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF. The Reds Pick 6 plan is on sale now and includes an exclusive bobblehead. Plus, you can choose any six Reds home games and save up to 25% by now at reds.com slash pick six. We are pleased to be joined now by Reds Director of Pitching. He's also the Reds Big League Pitching Coach. Yeah, we knew this guy back when, when he was just the pitching just coach. Just the pitching now coach. Big time. Got big a big time. Big promotion in the offseason. His name is Derek Johnson. And uh, DJ, thanks so much for taking some time. Uh, understand you have been quite busy this offseason. So uh, appreciate you joining us this evening. Yeah, thanks, fellas. I uh, hope you guys are staying warm up that way. Here it's kind of chilly. Oh, man. Where are you at right now? You down in Nashville? Nashville. Um, yeah, I'm in Nashville, and I mean, it's plenty cold here, but I think it's a little colder up there. So, um, yeah, things are going well. Been uh, been a busy off season, but uh, but a lot of fun too. Uh, yes, it's very frigid up here, by the way. Uh, speaking of busy off season, I, I assume that uh, some of that has to do with the new title. Uh, what all comes with the title of director of pitching? What does that mean for you? Yeah, I'm still kind of trying to work my way through it. I mean. Um, you know, I'm kind of starting with a statement that that Nick Crawl um, has said, you know, a few different times in in the media and and, and in through our organization. And it's just that we that we have to develop pitching from within, and um, you know, so so sort of taking that as a mission statement, and and then kind of trying to to figure out, you know, what steps and strategies to take, um, you know, in order to achieve that. So um, a lot of hiring this off season with our minor league coaches, and then a, a lot of times. Uh, with them on on Zoom calls and just trying to get on the same page. And um, to be honest, fellas, I mean, really, it's been a, a really enjoyable winner from from that aspect. I mean, getting to know those guys and you know, and, and talking about pitching once a week through Zoom and trying to figure out you know what what can separate us. Um, you know, it's obviously going to be a challenge, but it's been a lot of fun. What can separate this organization? You brought a lot of things to the table as the Reds pitching coach and a lot of positive things and with it, the cutting edge of technology. Is that something that you want to filter down throughout the entire organization? So you guys are on one singular page. Yeah. You know, I, I think through the ages, you know, if, if you've ever been around other organizations, I mean, we all kind of have the same battle cry and that's to get on the same page from the top down. I think it's, you know, it's, it's really hard to do, um, inside of, you know, a lot of people working, um, you know, in the same direction, but, you know, I think one of the first steps for us is to kind of communicate in all directions, making sure that, um, you know, that we do have a philosophy in place, that we do have strategies in place, you know, and that's pretty far reaching. I mean, it's, um, you know, the, the ponds that we fish in, I guess I use that term a lot. Um, but the ponds we fish in for player acquisition, for scouting, um, you know, whether that be the, the draft, the international draft, or, you know, six-year free agents and, and you know, and, and free agency just in general, is trying to figure out strategies to, 
you know, to help us do that best. Technology is certainly a part of that. Um, I'd say at the end of the day, it's trying to strike a, a balance between, you know, maybe some of the, the artful sides of pitching and, and you know, the, the, the things that we all kind of grew up trying to figure out um, and then putting that with maybe a little bit more of a science-based approach, which is, you know, just trying to figure out what the smartest way and the quickest way uh, for the return on our, our investment. And, uh, you know, so that's that's kind of where the way that I've been thinking um, through the winter and talking with our coaches and our front office and, you know, and David Bell and, um, you know, just trying to figure out um, what our best best um, chance to, to do that might be. Is this a major overhaul or, or do you feel like you were already kind of heading in this direction to begin with? Now it's just refining it a little bit more. Yeah, I think the bones were there. Um, you know, we had plenty of really good coaches inside of, of, of the organization that, that were working towards, you know, certain elements of, of what we've discussed this winter. Um, you know, I, I think Kyle Bodie um, and the work that he put in, you, you know, through the, the last couple of years to implement, especially on the technology side, um, you, you know, I mean, I think we, we, we want to make sure that we're playing off of, of that. Um, we, we certainly don't want to go a completely different direction. Um, on the other hand, we feel like there are some things that we needed to balance out and, you know, and just to make sure that our, our guys were, were learning as many aspects and as many facets about pitching as, as they possibly could. So that's, um, that's I, I think, probably the direction that we're headed. I wouldn't say it's an overhaul. DJ, got time to stick around for a little bit longer? Yeah, you got it. Oh, we appreciate that more than you will ever know. Well, we will continue with Reds pitching coach and director of pitching, Derek Johnson. After a quick break, this is the Reds Hot Stove League, presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF on the Reds Radio Network. Welcome back into the Reds Hot Stove League. Presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF. And we're continuing our conversation with Reds pitching coach and director of pitching, Derek Johnson. We were talking about that new role and, and what that means. Now, when I think of director of pitching, I think of pitching coordinators, things like that. But with this role, are you going to have to take time away from the team to go, the, the big league team, to go visit guys down in the minor leagues? Or th- does the fact that technology is where it is uh make it so that you don't have to do that and and you could zoom guys if need be during the season. Yeah. So what we put in place, um, I, I think will work really well. Um, to answer the question, I, I, I won't be leaving the team, you know, you know, at any point during the year. Um, but what we put in place is kind of an infrastructure, if you will. Um, we have two coordinators, um, that will be doing kind of the heavy lifting and, you know, then there's correspondence, you know, between the three of us, um, you know, as well as Eric Jagers and, and Lee Tunnel. Um, and then, you know, as well as probably um, trying to find spots where we, we could all meet on Zoom and talk through any sort of issues or whatever, you know, sort of as a, an entire staff, all, all the minor league coaches and, and whatnot. So, we, we feel pretty good about um, how we've structured it and, and um, you know, it, it'll be busy at the same time. I mean, you know, once the season starts, I, I have to put my attention on on the team that, uh, that, that we have there in Cincinnati. Being the pitching coach, especially nowadays, you guys put in so much time. Can you take us through what would be a typical day in preparing scouting reports, getting that night starting pitcher ready, 
figuring out who's ready, uh, available in the bullpen, et cetera. What it, there might not be a typical day, but in general, what would be a typical day? Yeah, I mean, it does vary, but I can say that, um, you know, pretty easily we're going to be there um, by noon for, for a 7 p.m. game. Um, sometimes earlier based on the team that we're going to face. Um, you know, obviously if we're on the road, we can do some of the work in our hotel rooms. But, you know, it's it's really just like I, I guess maybe the best way of saying is kind of studying for a test. Um, we, we have um, sort of a set of questions that we try to answer before every series, um, you know, based on their personnel and based on ours. Um, you know, and, and then it's not scripting, but it, at least coming up with, with a plan, um, you know, for, for the night starter. And, um, you know, that, that obviously is going to vary too, based on, you know, who you have on the mound and maybe how much he needs. It's also could be dependent upon how many times he's seen the, the team, uh, you, you know, so if it, it's different if he's seen him for the first time compared to maybe the fifth or sixth time that he's pitched against them. Um, you know, but then it's, it's setting our bullpen and trying to figure out, you know, what we think their lineup's going to be on any given day, um, trying to come up with as good a plan as we can based on who we have available for the evening. Um, you, you know, maybe try to figure out some matchups and through that lineup of what, what we would do and when we would do it. And, you know, so, uh, you know, like I said, probably the best way to, to describe it is it's, it's like you're studying for a test. Um, you're trying to figure out the, the, the answers to the questions that you're asking. And, you know, once then the, the day hits, you're, you're obviously going outside for some work with, with your starters, you know, for the next coming days, um, your relievers are going out to throw and, and then you're, you're, you know, you're going to meet and then you're, you're playing the game. So, um, there's some, some post work afterwards, um, you know, so that, varies as well um you know depending on on who we played but just trying to to, to sort of the same thing it's like kind of like well how'd we do you know on, on the test and so you know you you spend a lot of time um and, and you know as as the season goes on as you play teams more you feel like you have a better handle on them uh, but it's also where you can get stuck um you, you know i think if you you feel like you know the team so much and you're not looking for sort of, of what's happened in, in recent weeks, um, teams change too. You know, the Cardinals may look a little bit different uh, than the last time that you played it, and, and this guy is really hot, or, or, hey, they're starting to do this a little bit more, whether that's run or bunt or, you know, or whatever it might be. So just looking for any little um, details that might help us win a game. I'm curious, when, you, when you're when you evaluating hitters and, and you're coming up with scouting reports against hitters, everybody knows that, all right, there's some guys that don't hit breaking balls well. There's some guys that have trouble with high-velocity fastballs. And, you know, there, there's there's kind of the, the obvious or pitch locations where you can get guys. But it, how in-depth are those reports as far as, well, this guy has trouble hitting a, let's say, a fastball down and away after seeing a breaking ball and something like that. I mean, is it, is it in depth as, as you know, this guy has trouble with a certain pitch off of another pitch? Yeah, I'd say that the best way to describe it is probably two dimensional, um, you know, two dimensions in terms of, I, it, it's hard to do the sequencing things because um, you're, you're talking about a lot of data, honestly, and you're talking about data that's coming from different types of pitchers. 
so, so, you know, what a hitter sees from, you know, one pitch to the next um, might be a little bit hard to describe, but it's two-dimensional. I mean, I can tell you um, how he performs on every pitch. I can tell you, you know, whether it's right-handed or left-handed, um, I can put a value on that pitch, and I can put a, a value on that pitch in the nine boxes of the strike zone and, and out. You know, so basically what, what you're doing then is you're, you're taking your starter or whomever's in the game and you're saying, okay, what's this guy really good at? Um, where are the places that we feel like he would, he would benefit the most from visiting inside of the zone? Obviously he's got to hit his spot and things have to go right that way. Um, but we're going to come up with, with that sort of plan on, you know, the, the places that he can visit inside the zone and out. And then we may, you know, kind of top it off with like, yeah, but we we want to we want to show more breaking ball to this guy, um, probably than any other pitch. Um, if if that's you know what we think is going to get the guy out, so it, it, it's really in depth. The third dimension of it is you know then what happens that night, um, what the guy does or doesn't have. Um, it's you know can be something maybe even something as small as like a strike zone for the evening. Um, you, you know, and, and then it's it's planning off of the plan, meaning you know you go in with with this kind of loose leaf plan, um, it's working, hey, we're staying with it, or it's not working, we've got to switch gears and we've got to figure some things out. Because one of the things that you have to remember is that they're planning too. Right? So, you know, the third dimension happens almost in real time, you know, as we're playing the game. We saw in 2020 how the alternate site really benefited some players. You guys, Nick Craw has announced that regardless of what happens with the CBA, you guys are going to have early camp for minor leaguers. Uh, at the beginning of February, mid-February. How much are you looking forward to that, and how long do you think it's going to will go for these guys uh, to benefit the minor leaguers that are invited? Are you, are you looking forward to that? Yeah, I, I, I think what's really good is is we have some of the non-roster invites that we're, we're, are going to be there. And, you know, you, you kind of know what they are on paper. You don't know them, you know, too well as people or as players. So... It gives us an opportunity to kind of find out who they are and, and maybe fit the pieces together for them where, you know, it's, it's, it's looking at them um, maybe a little bit more exclusively. Um, we're getting some minor league starters ready for their season um, simply because minor league spring training seemingly is a little bit, um, it, it, it's, it's, it's maybe not quite long enough to get guys stretched out the way you'd like. So we have that opportunity too. Generally speaking, those guys are, you know, they're your prospects or guys that you feel like can move in the system, so you get to know them a little bit as well. So I, I think, if nothing else, it's a really good way to get to know some some guys that maybe you don't know real well quite yet and, and just kind of see what they can do. DJ, as always, appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Look forward to seeing you in the spring out in Arizona. Yeah, for sure. Let's uh, let's get out of this cold. You guys take care. All right, you too. That is Reds Director of Pitching and Reds Pitching Coach Derek Johnson. We'll wrap up the Reds Hot Stove League when we return on the Reds Radio Network. Welcome back into the Reds Hot Stove League. Jim Day, I am Tommy Thrall, wrapping things up. Show your Reds pride all across the Buckeye State with a specialty Cincinnati Reds license plate. Ohio residents can purchase a license plate featuring the Reds on Radio logo. Each purchase represents a tax-deductible donation of 25 bucks to the Reds Community Fund. Order yours at... 
oplates.com. Big show next week, Jimmy. Indeed. We're going to have the mayor on, Sean, Sean Casey. Casey. That is going to be very exciting. It was a uh, it was a fun show today. Always is when you get a chance to have John Fay on. Our thanks to John Fay. Also, our thanks to Red Scouting Supervisor Jeff Brookins. And a big thanks to Derek Johnson as well. For Taryn Bland, our producer today. And for Jim Day, this is Tommy Thrall saying good night. We'll catch you next week. It'll be on a Tuesday next week here on the Reds Radio Network. Good night. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion. Championship team.